section six of the rover volume one number twenty one this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the rover volume one number twenty one edited by seba smith and lawrence Labrie. section six a mother's story by elizabeth oakes smith my daughter cherish that guilelessness and purity of feeling which is now thy greatest charm may the time never come when thy cheek shall be tinged with the blush of shame or thy eye be averted with the consciousness of insincerity youthful purity is like a mirror that a breath may tarnish like the down upon the peach which the rude hand may brush away ever mayest thou shrink from the imputation of evil and recoil from the breath of suspicion when the shadows of age shall gather about thee and the commingling of physical infirmity shall make in the beautiful metaphor of scripture even the grasshopper a burden and thou shalt be compelled to say in weariness and loneliness of heart all is vanity and vexation of spirit then may that period never be embittered by the consciousness of concealed errors and the remorse of a stricken conscience let me tell thee of one of personal beauty and mental endowment that might have made her preeminent even among the most gifted of her sex and yet she passed away with a shadow upon her name and the remembrance of her early glory made her final ruin more appalling i remember the youth of mary g how she looked when she first appeared in the gay saloon her brilliant face glowed with animation and she drank in the idolatry of gazing eyes and the murmurs of admiration that followed in her footsteps she looked the impersonation of youth and happiness her very limbs seemed to partake of the innocent buoyancy of a fresh and guileless spirit to be almost airy with a delicious sensation of dream-like pleasure the learned paused at her side to partake of her easy and graceful nonsense to listen to her beautiful sentimentality and hear her talk of the great world that to her fresh and innocent spirit looked another eden she had lived in retirement and her knowledge of the multitudes of fellow-beings with whom she was now to associate was collected from the perusal of her favourite authors and having passed the alembic of her own pure and ideal intellect had come forth elevated and purified the gay and the fashionable gathered about her to listen to the thrilling melody of her voice and look upon her beaming face she talked with that freedom and eloquence which a woman of strong mind and ready knowledge will exhibit when conscious of her powers and full of the unsuspicious confidence of early life the votary of fashion looked upon her as a being of a higher order a creature of intellect and beauty with a heart 
innocent and loving and even childlike in its ever gushing up tenderness i cannot describe her eyes there was an almost thrilling brilliancy about them together with a beaming loveliness a half-veiled tenderness in their expression that made it dangerous to look upon them were the spirit prone to idolatry mary g seemed the very one to lure the soul to the unhallowed worship thus did she move from one brilliant circle to another the wonder the admiration of all even her own sex perhaps slow to award the meed to loveliness caressed and courted the smiles of one who apparently bore her honours so meekly even mary was deceived by the speciousness of her own appearance nor thought of looking scrutinizingly into her own heart so she clasped her arms upon her breast unconscious that she held within a volcano of passion of woman's pride of woman's weakness and woman's fearful and unutterable love all these were slumbering within undisciplined unsubdued and ready to start into fearful energy when circumstances should rouse them from their sleeping yes hers was the ease of conscious loveliness and amiability resulting not from mental discipline but from a mind untouched by care and a spirit gratified in its unbounded pride she smiled because the hidden mysteries of her own heart had never been revealed to her or the fountain of human passion stirred up but the time came when she was to know the depth the fearfulness and devotion of woman's love when her very existence was to be swallowed up in that of another's when her smiles and tears were no longer to obey her own will but to come and go at the bidding of another who shall teach the young heart to bound its affections or say to the tide of early love thus far shalt thou go and no farther mary loved with the fervour of girlhood she yielded up all the energies of her soul to the dangerous passion and in one of her high intellectual character and ardent temperament the passion is exhibited in all its fearfulness and all its fascinations it absorbed everything her lover became an object of idolatry she invested him with all the glorious attributes of a creature of romance she overlooked the realities of life and the hopes of futurity became blended with the felicity of the present moment time and space were as nothing to her lofty imagination and she and her lover were the pure and happy inmates of a glorious star far off in the wilderness of worlds dwelling in perpetual quietude and rejoicing for ever and ever in the happiness of beings who like themselves were created for holiness and love with her religion was rather a feeling than a principle and her lover became associated with all the lofty and beautiful ideas of heaven-like grandeur and protecting love though absent she believed his spirit might commune with hers and she loved to dwell upon the mysterious sympathy between congenial spirits indeed her religious sentiments seemed to have become deepened by the awakening of this new passion similar in its nature though dissimilar in its object to religious fervour she knew nothing of the great world where the lofty and holy aspirations of the human soul those that assimilate us most to the glorious image of our creator must be forever locked in the human breast like a magnificent treasure to be looked upon only in secrecy 
and solitude when every eye is withdrawn and none present except him who has thus endowed the spirit he has made and poured into it a part of his own divine essence she spake of religion as she would upon any subject that called into exercise the exalted sentiments of her mind as unhesitatingly among the brilliant and the gay as others would discuss the changes of the weather or the attractions of a bell there was a gay party assembled at my friend mr mary was there the one particular star that attracted all eyes she stood beside a vase filled with flowers of rare and delicate hue she selected an amaranth from the blossoms about her and her mind in its native loveliness failed not to associate the idea of the undecaying hue of the amaranth with the perpetuity and indestructible nature of mind she raised her dark brilliant soul-like eyes and spake of the spirit its powers its capabilities its longing for something holier and more enduring than the things of earth its capacity for assimilation to the deity then she spake of earth as being only the great thoroughfare to eternity how beauty and splendour are scattered in our pathway not to bind us to earth but to cheer us on our pilgrimage and give us a foretaste of better things to come there was an enthusiasm and simplicity in her words and manners that disarmed criticism and won all hearts at length with a blushing cheek and a voice thrillingly low and distinct in its intonations she spake of love which as it is the most absorbing of all the passions so when unadulterated it becomes the most holy the most in accordance with the spirit of the deity in the spirit true to itself she likened it to the amaranth which may be rent asunder and trodden underfoot yet its beautiful hue will gleam up in the midst of its desolation crushed but not destroyed her lover looked what language could never express mary raised her beautiful loving eyes with all the trustingness of her young heart and smiled and blushed and then with a playful turn at once graceful and happy such as only a woman of sentiment and talent is capable of turned the conversation upon another subject time passed away and the brilliancy and bloom of mary were no more let me pass over the details of devotion of trustingness childlike and innocent pass over the history of perfidy and art the insidious wiles and heartless hypocrisy that finally triumphed over innocence and virtue let us turn from all these and leave the betrayer to his conscience and his god let woman ever look with compassion upon the frailties of her sex and humbly bless him who has hedged her pathway so that evil may not enter the high soul the intellectual and beautiful mary was no more seen in the gay saloon the heartless crowd triumphed and derided they told me the reproaches and unkindness of the haughty mother had driven the daughter to the very verge of insanity mrs g had gloried in the intellectual supremacy of her daughter in her beauty and brilliancy and had thus cultivated the head while the passions were left to their own blind will had made her the idol of the crowd a creature of sentiment and impulse with no fixed and determinate principle of action and now that the consequences of her own ill-judged course of education had recoiled upon herself in humiliation and shame the fountain of maternal love powerful only as it administered to her own pride became dry and embittered and she returned harsh and upbraiding replies to the 
deprecating and remorseful words of her suffering daughter poor mary her former brilliancy was now exhibited only in the fitful and uncertain energy of the maniac and the fearful language of a ruined mind revealed what pride and wealth would have given worlds to conceal i resolved to visit her and see if the kindness of friendship might not bind up the wounds of a broken spirit when i entered the chamber mary was reclining upon the couch near the open window her face was turned from me and i noted the fearful change which a few months had wrought in her appearance her limbs were thrown forward with a listlessness that indicated a total self-abandonment and the languid clasping of her little hands showed an entire prostration of physical strength her hair was parted simply upon her forehead that now shone with a clearness and transparency resembling a surface into which one might look her dark melancholy eyes were turned listlessly to the window the haughty mother seemed to suppress with difficulty the unfeeling words that struggled for utterance her cold imperious demeanour would probably have compelled almost any one except myself to retire but i would have suffered anything in my own feelings ere i would relinquish my determination to say something comforting to poor mary she seemed so absorbed in her own melancholy thoughts that she took no notice of the conversation that passed between me and her mother i beg of you said mrs g don't speak to mary i hate to hear her rave mother dear mother cried mary turning suddenly toward us her fine eyes strained with a heart-rending expression of anguish mother do you think it was the drug my heart aches dear mother it yearns for the peace cried she springing with rage from her chair i will send you to the hospital where nobody will care for your ravings mary relapsed silently into her former listlessness and i perceived with horror her features gradually settling into an idiotic immobility all fear of her mother's displeasure all thought of what mary had been vanished i saw only the friend of my girlhood the loving and much-loved friend of my early years when the heart is so prodigal of its treasures when we never doubt that the friend we so tenderly love to-day will be equally beloved to-morrow i threw my arms about her neck and burst into a passion of tears poor mary she clung to me and wept and sobbed like an infant fearful of being torn from the arms of its nurse dear dear mary i said can you not pray it will comfort your heart mary it will ease your troubled spirit remember my religious feelings rising in energy as i dwelt upon this subject remember that when father and mother forsake you the lord will take you up our father in heaven is more kind than earthly friends he knoweth our weakness he remembereth we are but dust mary sobbed convulsively her mother attempted to tear her arms from my neck don't don't we both cried beseechingly but suddenly mary started from my arms mother and she raised her slight form to its proudest height her little hand was raised not with a menacing but a determined air her pale lips were compressed and her dark glorious eyes were almost fearful in their haughty brilliancy mother you may incarcerate me in a prison you may bind fetters upon my limbs and proclaim me a maniac anything to conceal my humiliation and for a moment her head dropped and the crimson flush overspread her face but mother pride may conceal 
but it cannot destroy the canker at the heart there it will be forever gnawing the worm that never dies nay stop me not she added in a deep firm tone as her mother attempted to approach her i must speak there are things never designed to be locked in the human breast things that cry in vain for the rocks to cover them mother mother i am a murderer but the guilt be upon your own head what i am you have made me my ungovernable passions my pride my recklessness are all your own you have trained me year by year to be what you behold me and now you loathe the work of your own hands and the laugh and scorn of the maniac rang through the apartment she started at the sound of her own voice and for a moment pressed her little hand upon her forehead yes yes you tore me from the purity and sanctity of my own thoughts to glitter in the whirlpool of fashion you taught me to debase the aspirations of a mind that would have gloried in its assimilation to the deity to the unholy purpose of bowing down hearts that should be consecrated to god to the unhallowed worship of one of his creatures what i at first loathed at length became necessary to my very existence who can stay the bounds of female vanity mother mother you gloried in all this daily and hourly did you help me to make me what i am had you but cautioned me had you sought to guide me in the path in which i gladly would have trod but no you pushed me to the brink of the precipice and yes mother behold in me your own handiwork and again that fearful laugh rang in our ears her mother stamped with rage i implored almost on my knees that i might visit her the next day and took my leave when i called the ensuing day mary was seated in a little recess where the light struggling through the ample folds of the fringed curtain fell softened and flickering about her and gave an indistinctness to the elegant contour of her figure as she sat with her head reclined and her luxuriant hair shading one side of her neck and bosom and one might have imagined her some beautiful creation of the chisel a magdalen shrinking from observation and weeping over remembered frailties as i seated myself beside her she languidly shook back the rich folds of her hair that had escaped from their confinement and swept in waving masses to her lap as she raised her eyes to my face i perceived they were red with weeping i took her attenuated fingers in mine and we sat long and silently together what could i say to comfort the weary the desolate the broken-hearted i wept silently by her side poor mary the tears dropped one after another from her eyes as if in the language of the weeping prophet of old her head had become waters so noiseless was her sorrow that not a finger was moved her hand lay utterly motionless in mine and not a sigh told of the hopelessness of her grief the tears dropped passively from her eyes as if she had lost all recollection of her real situation and retained only a vague indistinct sensation of utter wretchedness i put my arm about her waist and rested her head upon my bosom and with my fingers gently parted the masses of beautiful hair from her brow don't weep she said looking compassionately in my face it will make your heart dry and aching and the bright and glorious sun will seem forever enveloped in a pall and no one will smile upon you 
then why do you weep mary i said pressing my hand to her cheek i weep to see you weep she laid her hand upon her forehead do you really weep because i weep did you never love and trust and no mary i've never sorrowed as you have but tell me love what can i do to comfort you oh lay your hand upon my heart love dear and sing to me sing to me i am weary 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 methinks could i lay my head upon my mother's bosom as i used to do when a weary child and she would speak softly to me and kiss my cheek i might be happy once more or might lay down my head and die and sweet sweet would be the rest of the cold grave but do you really love me or what it is to love and she dropped the hand she had raised to my cheek and settled into my arms overpowered by some sudden recollection her tears ceased to flow and she lay utterly passive in my arms her weight seemed scarcely that of an infant's so emaciated had she become mary i said breaking the oppressive silence do you ever pray and i pressed her fervently to my bosom even as a mother would caress a sick infant she gasped for utterance i have tried tried but it cannot be i am a that drug and she turned wildly round and pressed her clasped hands upon her forehead that drug she compelled me to take it she held it to my lips and then not to afford me one glance methinks one glance even if it must die would have been forever like a balm to my heart would have been forever in my memory like a perpetual pleading for mercy for me for me its murderer oh the fire that consumes this aching brain pray oh i have pressed my lips to the earth have bowed till my limbs refused to sustain me and then sunk prostrate to the earth but not a word could i utter oh had the crime of the penitent on the cross been like mine mercy would have shuddered at the presumptuous cry for pardon while she gave utterance to these passionate expressions of remorse she had risen from my arms and stood before me with her hands clasped in the agony of despair i dared not interrupt her oh that i could pray but when i make the attempt a vision rises before me that seems to say dare the murderer pray what i might have been had it not been for thy pride and thy crime eternity alone can disclose yes when i would kneel and weep and pray an infant with snowy robes and radiant wings appears before me and its pale melancholy face seems to say there is no hope for thee but once once it smiled and it was an angel's smile soothing compassionating this morning it sat with pitying look upon me but it did not smile tears came to her relief and i placed her beside me her mother entered she spoke kindly and even looked tenderly upon her daughter she proposed a ride mary looked earnestly in her mother's haughty face but she could read nothing there except the unwanted expression of affection she quietly permitted her mother to bind up her beautiful hair and arrange her shawl and hat when all was finished she cast a hurried and mournful glance around the apartment threw her arms about my neck and as she kissed my cheek whispered i shall never see you again poor mary was indeed the last time many were the conjectures as to her ultimate fate at length that curiosity that contemns mystery of every kind discovered her in a lunatic asylum though i might have questioned her insanity 
i dared not vouch for the sanity of her mind i should have relied upon time kindness and religion to work their gradual ministering to a mind diseased but the miserable mother who had thus recklessly sacrificed all the kindly and holy affections of nature upon the altar of her pride wretched indeed were the days and the years of her pilgrimage she spurned all human sympathy encased in a triple armour of pride fought to conceal the wounds of a stricken spirit and the gnawings of a conscience that would not slumber she gradually forsook that society which no longer welcomed her with its blandishments and in the solitude of home among her own dependents indulged in that haughtiness and tyranny that could no longer be tolerated abroad as sickness and finally palsy laid its trembling hand upon her the few friends that had still adhered to her weary with her incessant repinings left her to the care of servants and it is to be feared she often lacked those attentions and kindnesses which wealth can never purchase but which must be the spontaneous offering of love she was found one morning by the servants dead in her bed cold and distorted as if the last struggle had been one of fearful agony End of section six